Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George. (laughs) I don't do accents, but we just watched the weirdest accent movie you've ever seen. Can I do it? Yeah, please. (laughs) Say hello to my little friend. (laughs) Say hello. Say hello to my little friend. My diminutive companion. Oh my god, <laughs> guys! Wait, what does he say? Mine. I love when he says mine instead of man. Mine. I think what, it's what accent isn't it is Mang? that? Isn't it? That's mine. mine. See, <laughs> fuck you, mine. We'll get into it, but I come to Scarface. We're watching Brian De Palma's Scarface. I come to this character via Grand Theft Auto and Razor oh, Ramon nice. from wrestling. So my filters for this movie are all messed up, and I can't wait to talk about it. Razor Ramon, holy shit! Yeah, man, nice. The bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Hey yo. <laughs> so, guys, George, uh, Tim Burton's masterpiece, Scarface. <laughs> yeah. Did he do it for you? <laughs> who Who actually directed this? Uh, you saw Brian the movie. De Palma. Yeah, Brian De Palma. Oh, right, heard, Brian De Palma. You ever heard of Brian De Palma, George? Yeah, 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 of course. Have you ever seen any of his movies before, George? Uh, I believe so. What have you seen? I don't know. You've showed me some stuff. No, this is our first De Palma on the show. Is first it really? Yeah. He's been talking about... Yeah, I've that. heard that name a bunch of times. I what, mean, else, what else does he do? I think it's safe to say that we're not going to tell you any other movies he's done, because in the future, no. when you watch them... I mean, honestly, we could tell you all of his movies, and then when we go do them later, you'll be like, oh, this is Brian De Palma. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, probably. You're right. <laughs> De Palma is probably in my top five American directors. I think consistency-wise, I might have him above Carpenter on my all-time list. Mm. Like, De Palma kicks ass. And this is... Is that because of his body of work or for... Yeah, like like, he... I mean, he does a lot of movies that we're not going to talk about right now because I don't want to spoil it for George. But down the road, you know, he does movies that... Everything from, like, American Jalo movies to, like, you know supernatural horror to fucking spy movies like and everything he does he nails it i mean mostly uh and even this which doesn't feel like a de palma movie for most of the movie if you've seen all his stuff this seems like an outlier his camera work and stuff is so de palma that if you were flipping through channels you'd be like hold on a second i gotta go back i (laughs) I know that split diopter like that that's a brian de palma movie guys yeah scarface i was I was today years old when I found out that Oliver Stone wrote this friggin' movie. <laughs> I also I learned that today, and I had a, a reaction. Yeah, I was definitely shocked when I saw his name, because this movie's so iconic. Like, whether you like it or not, it's so iconic that I had, they've never, it's never come up. Yeah, it's <laughs> really interesting, and De Palma gets all this. the credit, and... uh Pacino, but you never, I didn't know till today either. Uh, it's funny mm. you noticed that today too. George, did you like yeah. Scarface straight off the top? Eh. Huh. Nice. Huh. What about you, Trav? Yeah. Are you a Scarface guy? <sighs> this movie for me, let me see, I'm 47. So when did this come out? 83. 83. Okay. So I was seven years old when it came out. Uh, or eight years old. I didn't see it, obviously, when it came out. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of hype around it by the time I saw it. And it... 
I remember watching it when I was younger, and it just ha- it hit me differently than it hit me recently. It's it's an okay movie. I think it's a bit of a mess, but a good mess. If that makes sense, like it's it seems unpolished. The music doesn't fit a lot of the scenes. I oh, think we're gonna talk about of, the music though. A oh, lot of the things are awkward. Like the dance scenes are very awkward. Um, his character is very awkward. It to me, I would. I understand the following of this movie. A lot of gangster rappers love this movie. A lot of powerful people love this movie. But to show that rise and fall, I would rather watch like a Goodfellas or or uh, what's the other big uh, gangster movie? Godfather. Like un- <laughs> yeah, The Godfather. That's why when I was watching, I was like, The Godfather's so much better. Like I would watch that back-to-back before I'd watch this again. Look at how they massacred the opportunity to make another Godfather. (laughs) It is. It's like, it's the Godfather, but for a different people, I guess. A different kind of mentality. It's like a different energy level. Yeah. It's not classy. It's Godfather without class. That's that's what I I was thinking when I was watching it. Like, you kind of, even though there are shitty characters in the Godfather, they're still likable. Well, even if they're not likable, they don't seem like out of place. Right. They're evil, not... There's no flamboyance in The Godfather. Right. And with this, it was like... It was well-written, but it seemed like a lot of situations were forced. So, like, they're like, all right, we have these certain boxes we need to check just to establish who this guy is and why he how he gets to where he is and how he why he behaves the way he does and it just seemed like uh, there was a lot of plot holes that there was there wasn't like an even flow for me i'm going to blame like it when, on the screenwriter what do you think yeah you can do that probably <laughs> like when you, when you i know you don't like goodfellas that much but when you That's watch fine. goodfellas it's long but so is this it ha- but it has transitions it has time jumps and stuff but it's smooth like you see you see the progression, even if it's been three minutes between the time uh, De Niro's character is 40 and when he's 60, there's like a two minute transition there. You still feel, you feel the, the gradation of the character. You feel the, the, the aging of the character. You feel, you feel all that in that two minutes. Yeah. With this, they kept saying two months later, three months later, a year later, whatever. But there wasn't any gradual growth it was like all of a sudden he's powerful all of a sudden everything's grand it's, it's, this this movie just made me want to watch blow <laughs> yeah that's another one it's better uh, as well you know yeah. it's basically the rise and fall of, of, a, of yeah. a dictator of his of his, in his own life like yeah and it's been done many times and well or yeah. not but this this time it was kind of weird like you know i feel like i i should relate to the character more i feel like you know that you know, doesn't give a fuck kind of attitude, does whatever it takes, takes risks, believes in himself. Like that's like a character that you like right. you want to get behind. And in the beginning, you know, you I I mean, you kinda do get behind him, but I think like about halfway through the movie, you know He definitely loses you. <laughs> it's just it's like he doesn't he he doesn't change. Which I guess I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but like his his you know his his you know his don't give a fuck attitude is just 
you know, and he's a nobody, like he's not part of the elite. And I feel like at some point, someone with that kind of attitude just gets squashed. Hmm. Well, I, I, I don't know I'm, if you saw the end of the movie, but I it, mean, uh... I mean, let me say long before yeah. it gets to that point. Yeah. He would be squashed. Well, but he did the thing, right? He was loyal to the most powerful guy in the room as long as he had to be until he could punch back and he never did get big enough to take out the Sosa guy. I hear what you're saying. Uh, yeah. I'm not the hugest fan of Scarface. Like, out of De Palma's movies, it's probably in the middle of the pack for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it comes out in a time. Guys, from 1980 to 1984, he directs three of my favorite American scary movies, Scarface and the dancing in the dark music video that gave us Courtney Cox <laughs> and the Carlton dance from Fresh Prince guys. Yeah. yeah. And in the middle of all that, he does Scarface too. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's not better than any of those other things, but yeah, for a, a four year period, that's pretty damn good production. And it's a fine movie. But I don't know if it's a good movie. It's definitely on the list of movies you should have seen. Oh yeah, for, for sure. As our sure. as our premise, yeah, for but sure. It it might come up later as there are movies that are better that you should have seen. Yeah, like I I was kind of like I'm watching the relationships. Like Michelle Pfeiffer's in this movie. She's mm-hmm. like twenty. <laughs> Mm-hmm. She's smoking hot, mm-hmm. but at no point in this movie is she hot. Mm. Like they try, like it's kind of like when you watch a an Oliver Stone movie. There was about ten minutes, right yeah. in the middle. But she's just fucking a mess. She's a mess. He's a mess. Master Antonio's a mess. Like every woman in this movie is a fucking train wreck. Well, <laughs> it's like you can't even well, like yeah. root for them. You don't want to root for anybody. They're all. Just shitty people. My 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 worst uh, complaint about about that was their relationship, right? So Scarface and what's her face? <laughs> That's funny. Both <laughs> face names. Scarface <laughs> and what's her face? Scarface and what's her face? You know how like he was Insane like always trying name. to get. He was always trying to get her, and then like they get married, and you yeah, know, like he he gets her, and then they get married, and. Then, like, the next scene, he's in a bathtub, and he's, like, treating her like fucking dog yeah, shit. That's and what I'm like, talking about. Where did that come from? Exactly. The fly like, pelican like, scene. I love fly pelican. So silly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Like, that yeah. that scene, it was like, all right, we have to have him in the bathtub. It's got to be a hot tub. It's got to be grand. Show his bravado and all that stuff. And then let's show him verbally abusing her when there was no... Verbally abusing everybody. But I mean, there was nothing before that to even... Like, if you watch uh, Wolves of Wall Street and stuff like that, where... Yeah. They're, that's the same shit. Like, mm-hmm. uh, that character that, that DiCaprio plays is Tony Montaigne. He's the, yeah. same, he's the same character. But he's just being... You know, he's an American version of that. Yeah. But they show the gradual depletion of the relationship they show yes his shitty personality destroying everybody's life like that movie is a million times better than this movie but But it only covers a smaller period i think that what this movie needed they didn't have this in 83 in the way that they do today with with streaming this should have been a six or eight episode miniseries Mm. 
in which case you flesh out all the stuff that you guys are complaining about missing. And then I think they could nail it. Uh, there are some abrupt changes, but they give you enough breadcrumbs that you can be like, oh, the theme of this movie is he's going to get everything he ever wanted and he's still not going to be happy. Right. And then, you know, that's well, the same as, as Henry uh, from, from Goodfellas. Like, it's the same rise and fall. But, and, and almost the same abrupt changes in character, personality, performance, uh, situations. But it's so much better, so much well, I don't even know how to say it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's done way better to the point where you don't feel jerked around. Like, yeah. it's very gradual. Even these little transitions of, of character change. Mm-hmm. This movie, like you said, one minute he's getting married and then all of a sudden he's he's verbally just destroying her in a room. Yeah, she's a cokehead. But yeah, so what? So I'd be a cokehead so too if everybody. I had to live with his ass. Well, and his sister's got kind of a similar situation going on with him too. That's sister. But there's like a weird relationship there where it's like, are they... Like the intimacy is weird. Like there's yeah. just so much weirdness in this movie where it's like, it's yeah, almost like that, he wants her. That but was, just, that was know. really weird. And like, it, I think, I mean, obviously it's supposed to be, I read it as like protecting your sister. Right. Yeah. But the jealousy, it almost looked like, yeah, like jealousy. Yes, like it, lover's does, jealousy. it does look like jealousy. And, and I, and I kind of feel like, you know at some point you know because i have sisters mm. and like you know at some point you just got to be like let it go yeah like you do you they're gonna do what they're gonna do and you might get a podcast out of it so it's fine <laughs> tony montagna should have had a podcast <laughs> with his best buddy the handsome debonair womanizing guy i forget his name and then they wouldn't have had to shoot him in the entryway of his house Mm. shit mm, the first yeah. time I watched uh, this movie I did not see this until I was probably out of college before I bothered to watch it because it just never looked like something I would be into you know I, I, I prefer my gangsters classy right mm-hmm. sit down to watch it get to that last scene and the sister's suddenly like why don't you just and I was like oh my god I'm out mm. <laughs> this movie is fucking bonkers <laughs> yeah Second time yeah. through, and I think today was probably my third watch. You know, as I'm watching this movie more, of course, I, I've seen a lot more De Palma since then, so I'm just geeking out the whole time. It is like camera, camera movement and shot design and stuff. But also, you know, I think if you know that's coming and it's not like a shovel to the face plot-wise, you can kind of piece together. They're giving you enough to work with where... You know, he is protecting her, but it it becomes clear that it's more than just, that's my sister. And it's a lot more like, you know, possessive. But Mm. I don't think it's incest possessive. I think it is just like, this is my sister who I own, right? I've given her money. She is mine. Just like an employee. How dare you accost my employee and make her less, right? She's better than me. She's clean from this life. Let's keep her... Clean and you're dirtying my sister, right? Right. Mm. See, he was acting more like a pimp. Well, yeah. except like, that he was, was never very strange. He was never pimping her out. He was never hooking True. her up with guys. He was never making money. He was always helping her. So go back and watch it later. Next this time is, you see, watch the this problem movie, is 
with every relationship in this movie, I can think of another movie that does that relationship better. Mm. Like Road to Perdition is about a gangster who's trying to keep his son innocent. Mm. Fantastic movie. Um, Blow, a movie where you have someone who gets very high up in, in, in drug trafficking and who has like a character arc and he is the, and the character is um, uh, complex, right? He gets mm-hmm. to the top and he decides, it, he realizes that this is not all it's cracked up to be. I need to get out of this or I'm going to die. And he tries like hell to get, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To get out of it. And they, and, and then, it, you know, obviously I'm not going to tell you the end of the movie, but like it's, it's a complex character arc and it's just good. And this movie just was like, uh, gratuity. This movie yeah, was there it first. Was gratuity. Both it those was movies you described. Both those movies came out after this one. They both mm. learned from this movie. Yeah. yeah, and it just yeah. I guess I guess you're right. I but yeah. Question for you: How many of you, when you were in college, uh, had roommates or neighbors who had a Road to Perdition poster on their wall? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> None. Well, one, but I worked for a movie theater, so I know people, uh, but that's irrelevant. Because, I mean, I'm doing the shrug thing, cause, but it's it's an audio podcast. Like, yeah. this movie, I don't think any of us are going to argue that this is, like, the best gangster movie or even the best movie of 1983 directed by even, Brian De Palma. But I don't, mm. I don't even know that this is a gangster movie. Like, I, I mean, I know that they're gangsters, but they're not gangsters in the sense of, like, they're not, like, mobsters. It's just a different version of, like, like when you watch If you ever it's a, watch It's a um, cartel movie yeah. It's a drug movie Which is a It's a gangster film for Cuba Don't be a gatekeeper for, George for, The Italians aren't the only gangsters Right I guess that's true I mean, but the, I mean, dr- like drugs, you have the Russian mafia you Drugs have, are definitely the line between mob and yes. And cartel or something uh, something else it's not the 50s anymore man but that's what the whole godfather was about wasn't it yeah they, they right stay it was it the was drugs. the drugs that was the was the line right in mm-hmm. the 50s but then the whole thing in the godfather was that they were gonna start doing the drug sales because everybody else was uh-huh. but it was the same thing and, in and goodfellas we, like goodfellas was all organized crime cigarettes and alcohol and this uh-huh. and this and that cars yep and money laundering and then all of a sudden when they hit the 80s, Henry yeah. gets involved in cocaine and this and that. And Jimmy's like, like don't you stay away from that? Like, yeah. you stay away from that drugs. It's, like, it's, it's not, like, that's, it's it's not old the school. mob anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When you, you know, when you get the, the drugs involved. To be fair, but the anyways. mob the mob never existed to begin with. So, you know. <laughs> don't forget to stir the sauce. <laughs> I mean, really, though, Scarface <laughs> is a better Godfather Part 3 than Godfather Part 3. Yeah. So, whatever. Uh, that's an unnecessary shot at that movie, but it sucks. <laughs> can so. can we take uh, a minute <laughs> to talk about Al Pacino's performance? Yeah, in this movie. <laughs> it's 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 there. How do we all feel about it? It's I mean, it's sad. it's iconic. It's iconic, but it's so over the top. It's so over the top, but it's it's so iconic. It's like. It's like Jim Carrey in, in Ace Ventura. It's so over the top, but it, it fits within the movie. I think that Al Pacino is about as good as doing accents as uh, Dan Green. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah. 
He he did not hang out with any Cubans. <laughs> cannot not sound Italian. No. I'm pretty it's sure impossible. at the time this movie came out, he was like bragging about how much time he spent learning the accent with actual like Cuban individuals mm-hmm. and like yeah, sure. And he felt great it's about so it. bad. Oof. Yeah, it's. Ooh, uh, I mean, it's 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 cute, but it's not accurate. It's so no. weird, and it's so strange for me when you see him in the first Godfather movie, where he's basically just like a Dustin Hoffman clone. Mm. And I think that's probably how he got cast. I bet you a dollar that they were like, oh, yeah, we'll get Dustin Hoffman and he'll be Michael and it'll be great. And somebody's like, he's not quite Italian enough and he's really busy. And so they're like, oh, okay, let's go find an <laughs> Italian guy who's not doing anything. And they found Pacino and they're like, oh, close enough. He's good. Yeah. You know? But then but by this it. point, people he were like, he's in the Godfather. He's though. so he good. Because he had class, it was subdued. There was actual choices being made, acting wise. Oh, they were making some choices in this movie, though. This movie was just so over the top. He was so good in Godfather that I didn't even realize he was Al Pacino until he was sitting in that chair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's how yeah. good. Which I think says a lot more about but, how his career has gone since then and what he's become as an actor. To be sure. fair, you did watch Beetlejuice and then didn't recognize Winona Ryder the following week. <laughs> In scissor hands. So. Even though your wife pointed her out and went, hey, it's Winona Ryder. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, the oh. one next to John Mayer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, uh, he's playing slide with both hands. I can't catch a break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah, but in all in all, I... I I don't want to say I liked it, but I didn't hate it. I look forward to watching it again soon. Like, it's totally rewatchable. It's weirder and funnier every time I watch it. Hmm. And I can't explain like why. Even the, even the siege at the end. Oh, my God. Just comes out of nowhere. Like oh, it's, my God. It's like they, they basically had a call sheet and a shoot schedule. And they're like, okay, we want to. These are the scenes we need in this movie to make sense. I mean, he yelled at the <laughs> speakerphone yeah. connected to his satellite phone. You want to go to war? And then they did. They went to war. And then the who was the like the whole Terminator thing at the end? Like, just the guy standing there with the shades. Was that Joe Biden? I couldn't really tell. Yeah, it was. He had like the aviators on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I try to recognize the guy. Was like that the guy from earlier in the movie? I no, he was just so. the was he most, part of the siege. He was the just most like. Uh, just some stealthy guy. of the I don't know. Okay. It was a weird choice for the stealthy guy to be carrying like a short barrel shotgun. Yeah. Guns, 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 guys. Guns, 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 guns. But like for him to be sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Come You know? <laughs> and then that's the beginning of the fight. And then he continues. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. Right. Sneaky. Meanwhile, the whole place is exploding, right? And I was trying to count up. Pacino's first magazine when he's using that M16. Oh, the one with the oh, 55 God. caliber bullets in oh, it. Well, he's please. got he's got an M16 <laughs> with an M203 grenade launcher, which is a totally standard uh grenadier loadout uh for, you know, the military <laughs> in the 80s. Like that's what you would do. God, God one guy God. out of like four or five guys in your squad, one of them would have that. So yes, so far absolutely. I'm fine with it. Uh it's but for using the trees. The thing is <laughs> 
<laughs> his first magazine of regular rifle ammo had at least 120 shots before he yeah. reloaded, <laughs> which oh yeah, uh, that's a 30 round magazine. So that mm. was impressive mm-hmm. uh, nice. for him to be able to stretch it like that. But I like the use of the grenade launcher. I thought that was actually pretty technically sound. As far as yeah, like, I, it was it was not only technically but tactically sound. I'm not yeah. sure that he made it a full 50 feet between and him and the door, so I don't think it actually would have exploded. Also, uh, I think blowing up your security like that, the door itself mm. is providing security, man. Like, make them come to you. Don't give them an open door. Not, but give them the best one-liner in the movie. That's true. And he was on like a pile of cocaine at that point. That's true. And you know what's funny about that the the iconic line is he he delivered that line to nobody. Right. To a closed door. Well, he, he delivered it to the audience. I never realized that. Yeah. I always thought that he was like entered a room with a bunch mm-hmm. of people and delivered that line. No. It's because you probably saw it in Ace Ventura too, where he grabs the skunk and he says, Hello to my say hello to my stinky little friend and he lifts his chin tail <laughs> so and bad. sprays everybody. Uh, <laughs> I vaguely remember that. But no, I mean seriously, like he Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. He delivered that line to a to a, to a door. A door. He's a door. You know He's what I think is an interesting choice by uh De Palma in that final fight? He's, he frames up and executes at least two classic, like, Wilhelm scream falls. Mm. Mm-hmm. But he mm-hmm. doesn't use that scream. But your brain, if you're a film nerd, you're, like, ready for it. You're like, oh, here we go. <gasps> oh, it's not Spielberg. I thought I heard it, and then I didn't. Yeah. Like, no, oh, you expect now. it. Because they, like, they frame <laughs> it up like, oh, here it comes. Classic movie moving. And then, no. George is looking at me like, what are you guys talking about? I know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Nice. Yeah, I was expecting it, and it never happened. It never happens. And you're just like, damn, where's my Wilhelm screen? Was it? I know it was used back then, but was it so tropey in 83? Oh, yeah. Jedi, no, Jedi came out in 83. Yeah, it, it's already a trope. Uh, I think it okay. started in the 70s, like early 70s, late 60s. So it could have been, and he didn't. And it's a choice not to use it, and I like that. Nice. I like the lack of it, because it makes me go, wait, um... <laughs> Something's not right here. As he shoots off his 400th round of ammunition from one. Mm. But then they make such a point for him to reload later. I'm like, wow, why didn't he just have reloading the whole time? Plus, he's like, at one point, he's like shot and he can't use one of his arms. He's still manually operating this two. Whatever. It's a movie. It's definitely a movie. It's a movie. Uh, Say hello to my diminutive companion. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god! My favorite shot uh, of the movie, though, guys, you're gonna love this, or you're gonna not care th- about this at all. There's the scene with Michelle Pfeiffer is by the pool, and I believe it is uh, Frank's mm-hmm. pool, mm-hmm. and Tony's there, and he's like, "Hey, girl, what's up?" And she's sitting down, so he's on the left, she's in the middle, but. Before that, he rolls a drink cart over. Do you remember this part? Yeah. Yeah. The way that that shot is set up, you would expect it to be what they call a two shot, right? And they have a lot of two shots in this movie where it's one person on the left, one person on the right, and they're kind of talking to each other and they're framed up traditional movie style. Right. De Palma instead sets this up as a three shot with Tony on the left, Pfeiffer in the middle, 
And then a bottle of J&B on a cart in the spot where there should be a third character. Interesting. Now, to you guys, you might be like, well, who cares? It's I know. scotch, you know, whatever. I know. But our listeners know. J&B. I know. The official beverage of, of Jallo. Every Jallo. De Palma's a Jallo guy. So nice. he did that on purpose. He made the J&B a third character equal in scope <laughs> to those other two for just one scene. And then I was, was just like. He was talking to you. He was talking to you. He's like, like this is for Dan. And I sent a shot to Aaron. I was like, Aaron, you ever notice this? Aaron, hit us in the comments, man. What you think? <laughs> Do my Jalo dance. You can't see it. Uh, <laughs> that's good stuff. Did you guys watch White mm. Lotus yet? No. It's a really good show. Uh, second season features a grandfather, played by F. Murray Abraham, who's like this old horn dog. He's hilarious. Uh. It was kind of shocking to see him strangled and thrown from a helicopter Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this. I was like, damn, grandpa. Damn. So um, one of the better scenes in the movie, I think, was the the attempted hit on the uh, random guy who's giving a speech at the UN. Yes. Oh, the the car? Very, very tense. I hated hated the plot um, that, like, this... This guy who's, I mean, I, 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 maybe I missed who this guy is. I just thought he was like a random guy who's whistleblowing. And I, my gut was like, why does, why do they even care about this guy? Like, do you remember when they're in Bolivia earlier in the movie and the Sosa guy puts on, oh my God, while we're talking about this, he puts it on a projector. Do you remember this scene? He puts like a news clip of this guy that they're going to kill. Yeah. On the projector. And the projector, the camera, your view of it as a viewer, you see like a red, blue, and green, like the filter lenses, you know, like a fancy projector of the 80s. But then when they cut to what you're actually watching, it is like a static image, freeze frame of a dude in the foreground and like a cutout spot. And they're just like playing the clip in the middle of this. It's the cheapest, weirdest thing. Very odd choice. Go back and look at that scene. It's freaking weird yeah so i wasn't like super happy with that plot um because i just felt like these guys these international guys like i mean who cares about a whistleblower and then how like you know they it's got to be you know it's got to be scarface that you know escorts the dude around it's like you just you just pay some random guy who's not connected to you to do this you know, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wonder why Oliver Stone made it a point for this character who's pretty high ranking to have to be involved in an assassination. Hmm. So. Yeah. That's one of my things. And then, but then the scene when they actually go to do it and like, like the, like the, the wife and kids are in the car and, and yeah, it's just, it's so tense and it's so like whatever and he not, not only does he like hit I me mean, he literally could just stop the car right and just then and the the target car would be out of range and that would be that but he doesn't he just is like he, you know he just turns and fucking shoots the guy in the head like that is 
that was amazing. It was so tense, and then it, like it comes up and it's like boom, and like obviously that is what you know uh, escalates the entire ending. But like, I don't know. Was it like was that like the only not shitty decision that the character made in the entire movie? Probably. I think it was the first time they really highlighted he still had his humanity. You know, I mean they've been mm-hmm. talking about in the movie this whole like. You know, I like kids. You like kids. We should have kids. If we're going to have kids. We're trying to have kids. We would have yeah. kids except this dumb, you know, like, yeah. So you've built that into the character enough. That's not like undeserved in that moment, but I think they reward your faith a little bit that this horrible character you've been following the whole time, you know, maybe there's still hope that there's a little bit of a good guy in there. And that's your one moment where you're just like, Oh, good. He was only going to murder the human man and not the human woman and the human children. And instead he just shot that other man in the head. Like you do. Like that's a weird thing movies do. Fun fact. The guy he shot in the head in the car. Yeah. (laughs) The whole time I'm watching it, I'm going, that's Mr. Shikadance from, from East Venturi. He's the, he's (laughs) the, uh, the landlord. I hear animals in there, Ventura. Like I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, oh my god, it's that's where I know him from. But he's so young, but he's still bald. Yeah, like it's a, still the same guy. But there's so many faces in this movie because I think one of the henchmen in Ace Ventura that stole Dan Marino and Snowflake <laughs> was in this movie. He was one of Tony Montana's uh, uh, right hand man. So I'm like seeing all these faces, and I thought I saw uh, T- Taggart from Beverly Hills Cop towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. Without a mustache, but I don't know if it was John Ashton or not. Uh, I tried looking on his, but it was such a small part. It was towards the beginning. I think they were still in, in, uh, like the beginning stages of his character. But I was just like, so many people popping up, and then Michelle. I took. I totally forgot Michelle Pfeiffer was in this movie. How? Because I I haven't seen it in like thirty years, twenty years. I mean, it's a long time since I've seen this movie. She plays a pretty significant role. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what do you think? Did I, I mean, was I kind of like on point with my review here? Yeah. What, what kind of grade would you give it? Like a scale of one to ten. Yeah, uh, scale of one to ten. I was gonna give oh. it a letter grade, but how many little friends would you give it? <laughs> <laughs> how many diminutive companions? <laughs> Out of ten diminutive companions, I give it six. A six. Is it better than Beetlejuice? No. <laughs> Not even close. Can you imagine if someone went up to Brian De Palma and said Beetlejuice is better than Scarface? If you ever get to interview uh Brian De Palma or talk with him or meet him or whatever, just Let tell him, him tell him that I think Beetlejuice is better. <laughs> well, we'll show you some good Brian De Palma someday and you'll be like, Oh, this is why Dan likes it. Because it's like his weird Italian movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was, yeah, there was, there were some things in there that that worked. The camera work. I really feel like if I were trying to guess from this movie, uh, when it was that the producers convinced Brian De Palma to shoot this movie, it had to be that chase scene with the UN guy, because you can feel like the energy mm-hmm. in the room change. Every shot matters. It really feels like he's really at his like apex during that scene. So I wonder if like he was looking forward to it the whole time. You know, okay, we'll shoot this other stuff. Let's get this done. Okay, club, yeah, it looks fine. Okay, dancing, sure. Soundtrack, whatever. 
uh, I just got to get this one scene because he fucking nails it. And it's like a way different scene than the rest of the movie. You said we were going to discuss yeah. the music. Oh my God, oh. guys, the music. Okay. Dude. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not a big 80s music pop guy. Uh, I like radio pop, but like this weird, I don't know what this is, like club pop. I don't like the music yeah. in this movie very much, but I saw this movie after I'd already beaten Grand Theft Auto 3. Now, let me take you all back to the early, early 2000s. PlayStation 2's all the rage. Uh, the 2D over-the-top Grand Theft Auto games are getting a new 3D game. And my hands are all messed up and you're going to have to drive, brother? Like, two people mm. thought that was funny. Thanks <laughs> to you guys. Did you guys ever play Grand Theft Auto 3? No. No. It was the first really, really, like, you're in a world kind of crime games. Uh, you know, it's a... It's as much an experience as it is a video game. You know, you're like, you're living the life of this nameless goon as he basically lives out a very similar, you know, definitely Scarface inspired, uh, Godfather kind of inspired mobster, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, ascent, right? From low level guy to the top guy, right? Yeah. It's one of the best games of all time. I can't believe you guys haven't played it, but I'm not surprised. Here's I mean, the thing. I've I've played, you know, GTA, but not like I'm not like a huge. But GTA, GTA three guy. was the first one when it went from a game that's kind of cute to like, oh, we're gonna make all the money with these games. Yeah, GTA three has a radio station called like Flashback FM that plays pretty much this entire soundtrack, and I did not know that. So the last time I watched this movie. I was like, why am I singing along to Rush Rush with the Yayo or whatever? Why yeah. do I why do I know all these fucking songs? And it's because Was that the song? I felt like every time they danced in this movie, it was to the same song. Three of the was songs I... sound like they're the exact same song. I'm pretty okay. sure they're in the same key. And if you wanted to make a mashup of the three, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't even have to change the BPM. Okay, I thought it was all the same song. Like every time they were like about to dance, it was the same song. No, because there's one that's like actually a Cuban song. At the beginning. And then at the club, it's the Rush Rush with the Yayo. It's the lady from Blondie, I think, singing that one. Mm. And then there's like a third song, too. And then there's that, you know, standing on the razor's edge, that one. <laughs> Which, you know, you guys laugh because you've heard it in this movie. But the nerds who've played GTA 3 a lot are like, yeah, gotta feel it. Dun, dun, dun. You know, like, it's just... You hear that song a thousand times playing Grand Theft Auto 3. You're like, oh, yeah, it's in my brain. The follow-up to Grand Theft Auto 3 was Vice City, which is essentially the video game novelization of this movie. Hmm. Where you play as a guy who's not quite Tony Montana. And you take over a uh, like a big mansion that's not quite this guy's mansion. But you have pretty much the same gunfight. And then there's like still half the game to go. Hmm. Buying hmm. properties, buying clubs. Uh, the, you know, missions where you're in a car and you're chasing a car about 30 yards back and then you have to not lose them or you're putting car bombs on cars. Like this whole movie, I mean, shit, there's a fucking chainsaw in Vice Mm. City because it knows exactly what it's doing. Interesting. Yeah. Vice City is Scarface, the video game, but the soundtrack is in the original GTA three. And like, there's even shots like, okay, so the chainsaw scene 
the way the camera's mounted as they like walk up the stairs to enter the apartment, that is the camera angle they use in GTA to introduce a lot of missions. And so like watching it today, I'm just like, oh fuck, like this is the old PlayStation 2 generation Grand Theft Auto. Just 20 years earlier. That's cool. It's crazy. And you guys know how much money those games make. Like, oh, absolutely. GTA 5 has been released for three different console generations. It's crazy. And it just keeps pumping out the money. And it's a lot of it has to do with the iconography they borrowed directly from this movie. It's a trendsetter. Iconic, man. Iconic. Yeah. Is it good, though? I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with. It. I'm gonna go with it's not good. I think but you fell down the well again. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, we should end every episode with that. Did you hear the end of the last one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Oh, shit. So I've been looking at his IMDb. We could probably just do a whole season of De Palma. Dude, De Palma's so fucking good. He's such a good director. It's so eclectic. Like, I'm just looking at it. It's like there's so many movies that just have nothing to do with each other. Well, and here's the thing. I can make a serious argument, and maybe someday we'll do a uh, a mini episode, uh, one of those 10-minute jobs. Uh, Without Brian De Palma, I don't think that you get the Friday the 13th or any of the Halloween sequels the way that they are without De Palma. Uh, there are some elements in Friday the 13th, especially that are just like, Hey, did you see that De Palma movie? Let's do that. Mm. Which, mm. you know, aren't present in Halloween. So it came from somewhere and I, I, I guarantee it was De Palma. And then uh, Halloween two, uh, the whole like getting shot in the eyes, blood raining down on the mask mm-hmm. image is just a copy paste from a De Palma movie. Just like, oh, that looked great when De Palma do it. Let's just do it with mm-hmm. Michael Myers. Boom. There's and your I ending. I had no, no idea that, I know we won't watch this, but that he directed um, Phantom of Paradise. Oh my God. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. Dude. But I didn't know that was a De Palma. That movie's fucking weird. Uh. And it's, it's good. Body, body double. But the yeah, music so. in Phantom of the Paradise actually really rocks in a way that it shouldn't rock. For a, if you okay, George, do you want to watch a nineteen like what seventy three ish seventy four a nineteen seventy four musical, kind of Phantom of the Opera, kind of a rock musical, directed by the guy from Scarface with music written by a guy you've never heard of. Uh, rock musical. I mean, let me send I you a picture of the mask. Rock musicals, but no. <laughs> we'll pop it in when we do a season of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to send him little, a picture of, of the guy's <laughs> mask just so that George can understand the opportunity that he has in front of him. Do you want to watch a movie, George, starring a man who wears that mask? Still no. Oh my God. Let me tell you, it fucking rocks. And I don't know why. It should be bad. Everything about that picture I sent you says this movie will be garbage. Yeah. It's actually really good. 
Yeah, it's garbage, but it's good garbage. It's like a um, Silent Night, comma Deadly Night. I think. No, no, it's actually good. It's good. <laughs> it's critically good. good. <laughs> Jesse from Diabolic DVD, uh, one of the best places to buy DVDs online because they uh, ship in a box no matter what, unlike mm. Amazon. Mm. Uh, Jesse posts all the time about how he likes Phantom of the Paradise, and I'm like, man, I see you. <laughs> I'm gonna add him. Do it. Jesse. Phantom of the Paradise. Fucking good. But we're not watching that. Not anytime soon. No. But you should watch that. But what we are going to watch. Ooh, are we doing this already? George, are at that point? what are we going to watch next week? I don't know. What do you want to <laughs> watch? Good. Uh, what do I want to watch? How about Dancing in the Dark, the music video? <laughs> he directed Relax for... Uh, for um. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yes, well. he did, and he features that song heavily in Body Double. Mm-hmm. I dare mm-hmm. say Body Double and Blowout are my two favorite movies of the eighties. Not, really? I'm not sure what order though. Which one's better? I can't tell you. Mm. They're way different, and also way the same. Interesting. That's actually I I probably can't support that. Uh, now that I think about all the other good eighties movies, but yeah, I really <laughs> love Blowout. It's so <laughs> fucking good. Like. Top five for the 80s, probably. Really? Yeah. And Body Double's really good. It's just so, it's like this. It's kind of like he's almost like fucking with us by making it so much over the top. But it's good. It's hmm. fun. I remember seeing Body Double like late night Cinemax kind of. Like, yeah. I shouldn't be watching it's this. Got a, it's got a vibe. Yeah. But it's not like a, it's not a soft corn. It's soft corn. Soft corn. Oh, I love soft corn. <laughs> it's soft you know how corn. many things you can make with corn? Yeah, I'm gonna list them all right now. Corn it's not quite Shannon Tweed. No, but if Shannon Tweed were in it, it would make sense. It would make sense. Yes, and I would watch that. Yeah, and I, I would watch Body Double. It's really good and kind of weird. Starring Bill Maher. Hey, so what are we actually um, watching uh, <laughs> next week? Next week? Are we just, uh, just a hard transit? Just Because, I mean, we've kind of come to the end of a yeah. little bit of a journey here, right? We have Michelle Pfeiffer. We got, got her from Batman Returns. Now we're here with this, so you can see where she came from. George, do you understand now why Catwoman casting was such a big deal? Because, like, I mean, it's Michelle Pfeiffer. She's in Scarface and Grease 2. Yeah, Grease yeah, 2. Was... Absolutely. <laughs> So, <laughs> anyway, tell us what we're watching next week, Trev. Next week, we are watching a movie mm-hmm. containing some actors okay. that you may not know, and a director that you may not know, Okay, full of people that you might recognize after we tell you who they are. Okay. Um, and it's another Friday the 13th kind of reference. Go on. Yes. It's, it's another classic that you should have seen. So. Okay. Very good. It's going to really make the Friday the 13th Part 7 conversation seem a lot more reasonable. Yes. Okay. So we are going to watch the 1973. 74. 76. 76. Hike. Hike. 76, <laughs> hike. I think. I think it's like 76. Uh, Carrie. Isn't that the movie that... Uh, you, uh, maybe. We talked about it a few times. Didn't we talk about it like a lot during a... Uh, Halloween movie. <laughs> Jesus he Christ. just said it. Friday he 7, just... when he fights, <laughs> essentially Carrie, is the one we talked about it a lot. The telekinetic uh, one. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So what do you know about Carrie? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Zero. Do we tell him anything? No. Just... I mean, I already mentioned the, the telekinetic thing, so that's probably a big yeah. giveaway, but... So no story origin or any of that? Any, any idea who wrote the, the source for Carrie before it was a no. movie? Okay, cool. Well, you're in for a cool. treat, my man. Sang. <laughs> <laughs> I just pushed my hair back. Wait, so I have good. <laughs> right behind my ears. <laughs> okay. I was browsing the cast list real quick because I haven't seen this in a while. Um, oh, it's a lot of faces. And I'm just like, oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. This is gonna be. It's a who. It's a it's a who's who. This is gonna be good. Or, no, actually, I think you'll like this one, George. Who knows though? I thought you'd like okay. Scarface because you love a tragedy, and here we are. <laughs> I think the tragedy is not the problem with Scarface. I just think it's a fucking mess. Man, but that's it's a mess. The the way that they got the splash when he hits the water at the end. Mm. Oh God, that was so. The good. way that they got that blood to splash. Mm-hmm. As like the primary yeah. thing instead of the water, like he must have landed like on a blood bag or something to make that happen. So masterfully shot. Holy that was moly. really that was really. It right. would have been really good if I wasn't sitting there thinking the whole time, "Where's the Wellham scream?" I know. <laughs> the whole time. So many. Every times, time someone fell, I'm like, like oh, it's there. No, I didn't put it there. <laughs> oh, how about that? Oh, fuck. No, nope, oh. not there either. He's fucking with you, man. Even the guy coming from the helicopter. Nope, nope. nope. Yeah, I think either. by '83. De Palma was just like, you know what? I'm just going to fuck with the audience and there's nothing they can do. And here we are victimized. I was really surprised the guy that get, getting thrown from the helicopter never hit the ground. Well, they hung him. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. had something impeding. I was expecting them to throw him out of the helicopter and for him to hit the ground and oh. die. See, surprises are good. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh. And that's how we hope you reacted when you listened to this episode. Actually, uh, that's how I, Dan, hope you reacted when you listened to our Friday the 13th mini episode we put out last week. So, if you haven't done that, uh, get back to it. It's only like 11 minutes long, and it is pure joy. Guys, thank you for listening to the Remedial Film Class podcast. We'll be back next week with Stephen King's Carrie, directed by Brian De Palma. Don't tell George. He has no idea, and he's not going to remember who Brian De Palma is. That's just how he operates. But anyway, we'll be back next week with some telekinetic uh, prom activities. And John Travolta? Awesome. See you then.